Today is Easter, and I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm excited to get to share this moment with you. Uh, I, was, I was thinking back uh, in, across my life, one of my favorite things I've ever done is traveled. How many of you like to travel? How many of you enjoy traveling? M most people like to travel. Okay, how many of you hate packing? <laughs> yes, me too. Like, I, I think one time I just threw all my stuff in a trash bag and left. I'm like, I'm done with this. I, I don't want to do this. Uh, my brother-in-law and I once went on a trip, and uh, we, we, it was time to go to bed, and so we we're going to brush our teeth. And uh, he said, hey, you got any toothpaste? And I, I said, no, I didn't bring it. I thought you'd bring it. So no, I didn't bring it either. <laughs> Hate to pack. Fortunately, you know, hotels know about people like us, so, you know, they have some. How many of you hate to go through uh, check-in at the airport? Right? Okay, the rest of you have never flown, or you're lying, because there's nobody that likes that, right? Uh, how, how, many of you, how many of you hate to drive a long way? Yes, yes, I hate to Okay, so, so we can agree this morning that trips are good, but not everything about a trip is good, right? There's some things that you have to do for the trip to work that's not necessarily good. So it reminded me of uh, my wife and I's first year anniversary. Uh, I wanted to surprise her. You know, I'd never done, like I'd done a marriage, I'd done a wedding, and I'd done an engagement, but I'd never done an anniversary. Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I didn't know how big a deal this was. Is this, a, you know, is this like change the world big deal? Is this, you know, don't screw it up big deal? Like, I really didn't know how big a deal this was, so I just thought, hey, err on the side of too much. So I decided I'm going to surprise my wife. Now, look, I need some help from some ladies this morning. I need you to help me on this story. And Like, if I did good, I need you to tell me, okay? You give me an ooh and ah, okay? So I packed all my wife's stuff for her, right? She didn't even know. Oh, no, that's bad? Okay. See, I'd been married for a year. I didn't really know everything she needed, so I tried. I'd never been married before. So I packed her suitcase and I packed all her stuff because I wanted it to be a surprise, right? And then I went and picked this beautiful location that she had never been to. One of her favorite things is to go to new places she's never been. Okay, that's good. No mix. Good. Okay. I'm still learning, so thank you. And, and so I picked this incredible location and I planned the whole trip uh, just around her. And since it was our anniversary, um, I, I went and got the video from our wedding because I wanted us just to watch it together. Good, good. All right. And I went and got our, our vows as they were written and because I just wanted us to read them again together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is nice. You, you should come more often. I like this. This is good. So, so uh, but how many of you remember... This isn't a day where you have an iPad. This is a, this a few years ago. You didn't have an iPad. You didn't have a laptop. You didn't have, you know, a phone. You didn't have a way to play this stuff. So I hid everything from her as best I could. Uh, but when we got to the little desk to register, and then we started having to carry stuff in, it looked really weird. I didn't think about it until I got to register. I've got a VCR and a video camera and tapes <laughs> under my arm. And I'm sitting there checking in. <laughs> You know, and the guy's looking at me, and I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that kind of, you know, it's not that kind of deal, man. I'm, I'm a youth, you know, never mind, never mind. 
So, so I just had to try to sneak into the room with this stuff thinking, no, it's, it's not like that. So we went to Helen, Georgia. Uh, if you've ever been there, it's a beautiful place. And uh, a guy during World War II was over in the Swiss Alps. And when he returned home, he went to North Georgia for the first time and realized that the hills of North Georgia looked very much like the terrain that he was stationed in in the military. So he got a vision to recreate a German village there. And so we went. It was beautiful. We had an incredible time. And, and um, you know, everything other than that went right. And uh, we went and ate out at night and went to a German breakfast. And, you know, it was just, it was just an incredible trip. And times like those remind me how, how I really want to have a good life. How, how many of you want to have a good life? Uh, should I ask how many of you don't? I mean... Is some of you just not going to play? How many of you want to have a good life? Does anybody doesn't want to have a good life? Right, everybody wants to have a good life. Good, good. And, and it reminds me that, you know, I want to have good health, right? I, I, when I'm like 85 or 90, I want to skydive and be shot with a lightning bolt in midair and just die and go to heaven. You know, I don't want to suffer. How many of you want to have good health? You have good health? Yes. Okay, good. I'm just making sure we don't have aliens here this morning. I want good relationships. I want, I want my marriage to be good. I want my family's life to be good. How many of you want good relationships? Yes. Yeah, sure, we all do. But sometimes our picture of God is a little bit foggy. We have this picture of God that he's somehow a God who's mad or who secretly wants to torture us, or wants us to suffer, or he longs to punish us, or he wants to pay for what we've done, that he's this unpleasable perfectionist, and, and whatever you do, don't get too close to him, because if you get too close, he'll surely send you to the, to the worst part of the world to be a missionary in a place you'll hate, right? So don't get too close to God, because that's the kind of God that he is. Now, I get it, suffering's part of life, but as you read the Bible, you can see that God is a good God, and He wants good things for you. So for the last six weeks, we've been doing a series we've called I Am. And we've been talking about who Jesus said He was. And since we sometimes get these pictures of God that aren't true, we went back and looked in the Bible at all the places where Jesus said who He was. Seven times He said, I am something. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the gate. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the vine. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you, if you missed any of those messages, you can go on our website and stream them directly from there. But today we're ending that series, and we have one more I am left. Now in all these descriptions of Jesus, we see the goodness of God. We see in every one of them how God's good. One of the things that I want my kids to know about God as they grow up is that He's good. That's one of the things I want them to know. No matter what happens, no matter what we go through, God's good and He wants good things for you. And, and, and I don't wonder if you know that on Easter this morning, that God is good and He wants good things for you. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, then why are the bad things in my life happening or why have bad things happened? I want to show you Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him 
and who have been called according to his purpose. See, God really does want good things for your life. So here's a statement I'm hoping that maybe you'll remember when this day's over or write down. God is so good. God is so good. He will even bring good things out of the worst things. God is so good. He will even bring good things out of the worst things. This whole idea that everything happens for a purpose, I don't buy it. Because there's some terrible things that happen in life that just look senseless to me. But that doesn't mean that God is not good and will not bring good things even out of the worst things. So maybe you're in a situation this morning where your job or your health, your marriage, or maybe, maybe your entire life isn't really that good, then how do you know God's good? I'm glad you asked. That's where Jesus comes in. And that's where this series comes in. The very last I am statement that Jesus made comes from an event in the book of John. John chapter 11. I'll read a few verses and then explain what it means. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Got a sick man. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and picked, uh, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, let me explain to you what kind of sick this is if you were to read a little deeper into this passage. This isn't the kind of, hey, get me an antibiotic quick. i got to get back to work sick. This is like, hey, go ahead and start making my funeral arrangements because it's done sick. Like this is the kind of sick he is. So Mary and Martha sent word uh, to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. So isn't this what we're supposed to do? Isn't this what we believe that we should do when something's wrong, when something's bad? We're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to turn to Jesus. Supposed to call, well, that's what they did. Well, look at verse four. What happened when he heard this? So that somebody ran over and told Jesus, "Hey, Lazarus is sick, and he's he's the he's going to die, kind of sick." Jesus said, "This sickness will not end in death." No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. Now, before you know the rest of the story, you need to zero in on the very next sentence. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So which one of the three did Jesus not love? None of them. He loved Martha. He loved her sister. He loved her brother, Lazarus. Jesus, in my opinion, that's one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. Because it establishes who God is. He loved these three. If you didn't know that, what's about to happen next would totally mess your, mess your belief in God up. And I think it's one of the most important verses in the Bible because when things go bad, the first thing we do as humans is we tend to doubt God's goodness. No, nobody doubts God's love when they get a raise, right? You're clicking your heels together. Sun's shining. The birds are chirping. Everything's going your way. Nobody, nobody doubts God's goodness or love that day. But what about the day you get fired? Everybody doubts good, God's goodness that day. Nobody doubts God's goodness on you know, wedding day. It's on divorce day. That's the day that we struggle to say, now wh where's God? When everything's going good, we, we tend to have an easy belief. But when things go bad, 
That's when we struggle. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, this is Jesus, he stayed where he was two more days. Wait a minute. Did he not understand what kind of sick Lazarus was? Why did he stay where he was at two more days? He's Jesus, he's dying. Isn't this bizarre? Jesus stayed there two more, 48 more hours. Jesus is about to eat something, and a guy comes running in who's traveled who knows how far and says, Hey, put the food down. Stop what you're doing. Time out. Lazarus is sick, and he's going to die. Come quick. And Jesus picks up his food and keeps eating. Now look, here's what's important about that. Did Jesus love Lazarus yes he did but 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 the thing is why doesn't it look like it you ever have a moment like that in your life you hear all of this you know going on about how good God is and how much he loves you but yet you're staring at some terrible reality and you're saying wait a minute I've got a question if Jesus really loves me then why does it not look like it? Because right now, in my life, it doesn't look like it. Now, here's the, here's the thing. God loves us perfectly. But sometimes things happen, and it doesn't look like it. That's why it's so important for us to know He loves us, and He's good, and how much He loves us. Because there's going to be times in your life it doesn't look like it. Now, look. I don't care who you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how Christian you are. Uh, every one of us in this room has somebody that just gets on our last nerve. It's four honest people. It's Easter. Like, like, I hate when you go up to the counter at the restaurant and you say, Hey, I'd like some sauce. And they say, how many? I want to say 4,372,019. I don't know how many. Enough. Anybody? Is that just mine? I don't know. Put the sauce out here where all us natives can have it. I don't know. Mother, may I for the sauce? I just paid you for the food. How about people that go below the speed limit? Come on now. This real Easter. Yesterday, we were on the way to a basketball tournament where our son was going to play four basketball games in one day. It's Saturday morning. It's early. How many of you know nobody ought to have to get up early on Saturday? We're driving down this long two-lane road with a double line in the middle. Nobody can pass. And the person in front of me is up way too early and has got nowhere to go. You hear what I'm saying? Let me be more specific. 12 miles an hour below the speed limit. I, I may have done some things that weren't Christian. I can't, there's no video footage, I can't confess. Unless a drone was over. I might have tailgated slightly too close. I may have flashed my bright lights a few times. 
I may have then left them on permanently for eight miles when the hint wasn't taken. I didn't blow the horn. Didn't blow the horn. But I was grinding that bumper in the asphalt, saying, hey, move. And, and, and uh, fortunately, the person wasn't offended at all. Because when I finally passed illegally across the double line and got around them when we thought we wouldn't die, you know, about 10 miles down the road at the earliest possible opportunity, you know, they lifted their hand and waved. Or at least I thought it was waving. There was only one finger up, so I'm not really sure if it was waving or not. You got anything that gets on your nerves? Uh, uh, how about late people? Oh, I'm not trying to sow the seeds of divorce here today. But I'm convinced that in every marriage there's one late person, don't look. Don't you elbow, don't you jab, and don't you look. I'm convinced there's a late person. The biggest wa a fight my wife and I ever got into before we were married was over time. She has a very literal view of time. Meet at 5 o'clock sounds something to her like meet at 4.50. And I have a very relaxed view of time. <laughs> Roundabout. So when you say 5 to me, I hear around 5. 4.58, 59, 5.05. I, I need to move to Mexico. I'd be very comfortable in Central and South America. It's manana, manana. Laid back. And I can just tell you, it was one of the biggest fights we ever had, and it lasted way too long, and I learned to be a little earlier. Now, with that in mind, let's jump ahead to verse 17. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Dang. That's late. That's not roundabout. That's not five or ten minutes. That's not a grace period. That's not we're going to find you for missing your appointment. Four days late. The guy had gotten more sick, had coughed a few times and gurgled, closed his eyes and died. They put him in the ground. They had a funeral. They went and ate the family reunion meal. Everybody went back home, and then Jesus comes kicking into town. Hey, what's going on? I'm talking about, like, this is like being invited to a Christmas Eve party and showing up at New Year's Eve going, Merry Christmas! Where's the mistletoe? You missed it. Lazarus has been buried four days. Jesus shows up in a town where it's over. Maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you feel that way today. You have some, some part of your life where it looks like no matter how hard you try or no matter what you do, it's over. And you're having a hard time believing that God's good because of what's going on in your life. Verse 21, Lord, <laughs> Martha, no offense, but, but there's those people in your life who just like to point out your inconsistencies. This was Martha. Lord, didn't want to bring this up. You know they're coming out with it. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Basically, Martha's saying to Jesus, if you'd have shown up earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. 
Have you ever, have you ever had a thought like that? Come on, God. Come on, God. Where are you? If you'd have just done anything, this wouldn't happen. If you'd have just shown up, this wouldn't have happened. And there's no end to that list of questions. God, where were you when Lazarus died? Where were you when dot, 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 fill in your own blank? There's no end to that list of questions. Jesus shows up at the funeral four days late. When things couldn't look any worse, we get one more really clear picture of Jesus who says, I am. I, I, am, I am what? What could he be to resolve this? Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Now, here's the thing. What does that mean? He's dead. So what? You're the resurrection and the life. He died. He's dead. He's four days old in the grave. And Jesus is saying to her, what, what do you mean if I'd have been here earlier? I, I, I got good news for you today. God can not be late. It's impossible. It's impossible. He cannot be late. Because there's nothing he can't do. Time's relative to him. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. You believe in life after death, right? Jesus said, who do you think life after death is? I am life after death. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a thought for you today. Resurrection means no matter how bad it looks, it's not over. I want to tell you about um, the worst day of my life. This will be extremely encouraging. <laughs> the worst day of my life. There came, there came a, a, a point in my life where I thought it was over. The pressure had built up on me to the point that uh, I didn't think I could go on. Uh, my wife... Uh, had contracted a terrible disease and she was in full meltdown. She had a full, nervous, complete, total breakdown. And uh, both of our kids have type 1 diabetes and the transition of all of that, month after month after month, year after year, finally caught up to me and I was overwhelmed, and I had no ability to meet the needs that my family has. A couple years ago, it was Christmas, near Christmas time. We were on the way to my parents' house, and things had gotten so bad, everything in me wanted to just turn the car around and come home and skip Christmas and forget it. But I knew that I was the last things standing between my family and nothing. So I had to try to keep going on even though it was really hard. That night at my parents' house, things got to their worst. It was months and months and months and months of 
sleep deprivation and exhaustion and a struggle like I've never known. And I was sitting there in my parents' den, and one of our kids' sugar was really high, and we'd been working on it for hours and couldn't get it to come down. And one of them was really low, and we kept working on it, and we didn't know if we were going to have to go to the emergency room, and we couldn't get it to come up. And my wife was at the worst point in, in the, the impact of the disease. And there was nothing but brokenness around me. And, and no matter how hard I'd fought, no matter how hard I'd worked, and no matter how much I'd sacrificed, everything was getting worse. Nothing was getting better. And nothing that I could do could ever make anything better. And I hit the bottom. I was depressed and I was overwhelmed and I couldn't go another day. And this thought uh, landed on me like a, like a concrete block. It's a heavy thought. Nothing's ever going to change. This is it. And, and this is just going to keep grinding you down until it kills you. And that's it. That's all that life is ever going to be. And and I had, I had some thoughts that night that I've never had in my life. That night when I went to bed, I just couldn't see a moment where I ever survived anymore. And so when I laid down in bed that night, I remember crying. I just cried myself to sleep. And I begged God. I said, God, please tonight, please tonight let me die in my sleep. Please. It's the only way I'll ever get out from under all this pressure. I've done my best. I can't do any more. I can't go on another minute. Just let me die tonight. I don't want to go on. And maybe some of you are sitting here thinking, man, this guy's a basket case. If he's a pastor and that's what you get for being that, Maybe God can't help anybody. But I want to tell you something. God did help me. I can't take you back to any one moment where I got zapped and everything got better in one day. But I can take you back to many days. That January and that February and that spring and that Easter and that summer and going into that fall, I can take you back to little moments of God's goodness and His love, step by step by step, piece by piece. He just kept adding things into my life. And over time, God's goodness refreshed me. And our church entered a season that fall we just call renewal. And for 18 or 20 months, we have been on the most beautiful journey of God's renewal, and it has been one of the greatest trips of my whole life. And it has been a season of wonder and joy. Oh, is everything perfect? No, no, everything's not perfect. But you know what I learned? You don't have to wait for things to get perfect to have joy because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so the good news is everything don't have to get perfect for you to have life or joy or peace or victory or hope or encouragement or strength. He can give it to you in the middle of it. 
To Martha, this seemed like it was over, but she didn't know who she was talking to. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! He's talking to a dead guy. Four days dead. Come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off uh, the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus wasn't late and it wasn't over because he is the resurrection and the life. Just a few days after that, Jesus was crucified and he came back from the dead. And the reason I follow Jesus is because he's the only person in world history to predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off. The tomb's empty. The tomb's empty. You know, we started today talking about taking a trip. I love to take trips. But everything about taking a trip's not good, right? You got to get your passport, maybe some shots if you're going overseas. You got to pack. We all hate packing. I think it looks like it. A few of you really strange people like it. But packing and picking the right schedule and and although everything about going on a trip is not good, all of it somehow works together to make the trip good. So these, some of these pieces, packing and going through all the stuff you got to do and running the errands and buying the supplies and looking stuff up and dealing with flights and all this, all these things by themselves, if you just took any one of them, nobody would pack and not go anywhere. It's not good by itself. But when you put them together, was Lazarus being sick good? No. Was Mary and Martha being worried and upset good? No. Was Lazarus dying good? No. Was Jesus arriving four days late good? No. But when you put all those things together, it results in the resurrection of a dead guy. And that's good. That's very good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Resurrection happens not in spite of death, but because of it. So let's look at this great I am statement one more time. John 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Let me tell you what the key word in that verse is. It's not resurrection and it's not life. The key word in that verse is the word believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's the key word. Do you believe what Jesus has said about himself he said it I didn't write it I didn't say it all things work together for good so your life might not get good immediately but if you keep believing God it will get good ultimately it might not all work out immediately but it will all work out ultimately 
because resurrection happens not in spite of death, but because of it. So this morning, I want to ask you to pray with us. And I, I want to ask all of our prayer team if you would move now and get in place. All of our prayer team, if you would get in place. And here's what I want to ask you to think about. Is there a place in your life where it looks like it's over? Is maybe, does your marriage look like it's over? Maybe, maybe divorce? Maybe not divorce, maybe just dead. Oh, we're married, we'll stay married. But we're stuck. Maybe a relationship with a, with a child, a teenager, an adult child. I don't think this can ever be fixed. Maybe, maybe it's in your job. This is just the way it is, and it's the way it's always going to be. Maybe it's in your health, and I've been sick. I'm stuck, and I think this is just how it's going to be. Maybe, maybe it's in fear, worry. Maybe you lay in bed at night, and you just can't stop worrying. Can't stop thinking about the future and what if these bad things happen to me and it just looks like it's over you'll never break out of that maybe you're stuck in an addiction and you say I don't know why I keep doing this and I've tried to stop but I can't stop it's never going to go away I've tried I've been up and down that roller coaster a hundred times I'm too old to try again I'm stuck. It's over. Maybe there's just a pain. You know, when you were a child, when you were a teenager, maybe in your first marriage, somebody did something to you that was so painful. And you say, I'll never trust again. I'll never trust again. I'll never let anybody hurt me like that again. I'll never get over it. And it just looks like it's over. I got good news for you today. Jesus said, I bring dead things back to life. I am the resurrection and the life. Would you stand with me this morning? We have prayer team in the balcony. We have prayer team on the floor. Would you just get in a place that you could be still Every eye closed, nobody moving around. Some of, our, some of our worship leaders and different people are moving. But if you just sort of stay where you are, every eye closed, please. If you just close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, I need a new beginning. I just need a new beginning. I need a new beginning in my in my relationship with God like I don't that forgiveness you talked about I don't know if I'm forgiven I don't know if I have a relationship with him but I need I need a new beginning in my relationship with God 
Today, would you just pray for me? With every eye closed and nobody looking, people are making decisions right now that are very important. The most important decision that anybody can make in their life. Would you just lift your hand and say, today, I want a new beginning. I want to start again with God. Would you just lift your hand and let me see it? Yeah, I see you're just just lift it up and leave it up if you don't mind. Yeah, in the middle, in the back, in the front, the very front. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just just lift it up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna oh I see your hand in the balcony. Yes. All yeah. Two, three, four, five, six. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You you can put your hand down. With nobody looking, is there anybody else? I just want to start with my my relationship with God again. I need a new beginning. Nobody looking. If you need a new beginning somewhere else, you don't have to tell me where. God knows. I need a new beginning in my marriage or, or in my job or in my health. Or some of those things that you talked about. I need a new beginning today. Would you pray for me for that new beginning? Would you just lift your hand up and say, I need a new beginning today somewhere in my life. Would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, in the back, in the middle. Yeah, in the very front. Yep, all up in the front. Thank you. Yes, in the very, very back. Yeah. Just lift your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yeah. Yeah, I need a new beginning today. In the balcony. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, all over the room. All over the room. All over the room. Yeah. It's very important today. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. But it's very important that you that you pray. It's very important that you take a step toward God. Right? Because tomorrow morning when all of life comes back, Maybe this afternoon, I won't be there, and none of us will be there, and you'll be there. But God will be there. So it's important that you, that you move toward Him and talk to Him. And we have a prayer team here this morning that wants to pray with you. In the balcony, in the corners, in the middle, in the front. And there's nothing special about coming to any part of the room. This is just the place in the room we have the most space. Nobody's going to embarrass you. But let me tell you what I learned. Let me tell you what I learned. (laughs) When I needed a new beginning, I I had to move toward God. He invited me. He called me. He loved me. He showed me His goodness. But until I moved toward Him, nothing happened. Nothing happened. And today, if you need a new beginning, I want you to move toward God. And I want you to come and let one of our prayer team just pray. We're not asking anything from you. We don't want any, you don't have to sign nothing, you don't have to fill nothing out, you don't have to tell anybody anything you don't want, you don't want them to know. But it's very important that you have a touch point where, where you make this real. You have to make it real for you. Lord, today I thank you for the goodness of Jesus Christ and the resurrection life that's flowing in this room. And God, I ask you today to do the same kind of miracles and the same kind of breakthroughs and the same kind of steps and the same kind of new starts that you've done in my life a few different times. God, I ask you today to help us because we need you. 
with nobody looking. If you lifted your hand, I want you just to come right now in the balcony. We have a prayer team waiting on you. The worship team's going to begin to sing. And I want you to come right now and just let us pray with you. Come on right now in the very back of the balcony, in the middle, in the front. We're just going to pray with you. And then we're going to let you go home. That's it. Come on, would you come right now? Come on and take a step. Come on, take a step. Come on, take a step. Hey, come on, church. Isn't it good to see people taking a step toward Jesus? Come on, isn't it good? Isn't it good? Come on, encourage them. Come on, encourage them. Come on, just encourage them. This is the right thing, right? This is the right move. This is the right move. Let's do one time and we're gone. Come on, if you lifted your hand, come on now. Let us pray for you.